Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by Beatdowns. Are you an NFL team trying to get your ass whooped by the 49ers? Then you've come to the right place because that's what we're doing every Sunday. So if you're an NFL team looking to get your ass whooped by the 49ers, we are here. And that's what today's show is sponsored by. Raymond, before we begin, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast. And be sure to subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. That way you get notified whenever we go live with our episodes, which right now is you know, a couple episodes a week, especially during the football season. We have a reaction cast, and we also have a preview of the following game that same week. And whatever comes up in between that might re- that might require an emergency cast and and also um our other bay area team sports featuring uh candlestick will on those ones so be sure to like subscribe and comment because we'd like to hear from you heck yeah and today's gonna be a pretty big episode not only are we gonna do obviously our reactions and recap of what happened yesterday in los angeles but after this, I recorded last week an interview with Johnny Dells. And if you don't know who Johnny Dells is, you need to go add him on YouTube right now. Johnny Dells Football Academy. He is a diehard 49ers fan. And what he does is he puts up coaches tape after every game and breaks down all the different plays and, and what we're doing this week versus last week. And it's like literally it, it's like you're in you're in the room hearing a coach break down every we're talking from the linemen to the tight ends to the quarterback, fullbacks, running backs, every position is broken down and what they're doing and how we are succeeding uh, week by week. And so I have an interview with Johnny Dells that we're going to post that's coming onto this uh, feed. So after the end of me and Raymond's reactions, we're going to have that tacked on to the end of this. And uh, it's a great interview. And we had a lot of fun with Johnny Dells and he will definitely be on uh, in the future, Raymond, you and Johnny Dells have got to sit down and talk. It, you guys are just a match made in football heaven. I know. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I've already subscribed to his channel, so I'm gonna start uh, catching up on all his uh, his work. How dope is his work, though? It's his videos are dope. Yeah, it's great. Um, he's definitely an enthusiast. So you know, and it's not hard. I mean, I should. I mean, sorry, that just came out wrong. It's not easy breaking down NFL film. Um, whether you watch a lot or not, you have to know the formations, you have to know what they mean. And even then it's, it's still hard to get it right because the coach knows it better than all of us. I've, I've watched people break down film and still get it wrong. And they're sitting in a booth getting paid by NFL network. And it's just really hard, especially, and sometimes I think that that job is particularly hard because you have to cover all 32 NFL teams and I cover one team. You know, so it's a lot easier for me to focus on what we're doing than to sit there and try to focus on 32 other teams and 32 other schemes and 32 other, you know, team, team, what you would call it, uh, identities. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool channel. It is a pretty cool channel. And so we have a big interview with him. uh, That's going to be right after this. So huge episode today. And then later in the week, we we also recorded, this is coming up, we recorded our uh, our contest. Candlestick Will went onto Twitter and he threw it up. Who is the most successful Bay Area coach? Was it Bill Walsh with three rings? Was it Bruce Bochy 
with three rings or was it Steve Kerr with three rings? <laughs> and we, Candlestick Will put it to a vote. Heavy is the crown. All right, heavy is the crown, exactly. He put it to a vote and we have the results of that vote on Twitter and we talk about it. We have a huge episode. We recorded that last week as well. Be on the lookout for that episode. That will drop later in the week. Raymond, before we begin, why don't you let the people know where can Gold Cast Nation find you? You can find me on Twitter at RaceElise and at Instagram at RaceElise1. And you can find me on Instagram at RudySolice3 and Twitter at RudySolice3RD. All right. Here we go. The 49ers are 5-0. and Goldcast Nation undefeated. We are back. The greatest fanalist in the game is here. Your professor of fanalism is here. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa the First, baby. Boom! Raymond, the team we were promised is here. They have finally arrived. We have gone through the end of the Harbaugh era, crash and burned, the Jim Tomsula era, the Chip Kelly era, Jimmy G going down with an ACL last year. I mean, 42 injuries in two years Shanahan losing by five points or less more than any other coach in the history of the NFL. That wasn't even a stat until Shanahan invented that stat. We have sat through so many incarnations, so many rough years, so much losing, the the loss of the Super Bowl. We were at the pinnacle and we lost it for the first time ever. And now, now, the team we were promised is here five and oh ray five and oh we went into la and dusted them i don't know if you saw that crowd raymond but uh i texted all my rams fans and i said i really enjoy our second home the coliseum because it was a sea of red not a not a rams fan to be found anywhere in that crowd it was literally Nothing but 49ers. I don't even understand. It's it not, looked, they it looked lost like games. it was it looked like it was 70-30. It looked like it a was, home game. It was bad. It was like bad. It, it, there was even a point where the Rams had to go to a silent count because they couldn't hear the play in in their radio. The helmet, the, the radio helmet. <laughs> How bad is it when you're at home? And the crowd that's the crowd is cheering so loudly, and you typically want them to do that as a home team, but it just so happens that the loud, obnoxious cheering is from the opposing team's fan base that outnumbers your fan base seven. What is it? Seven to three. Seven, seven to three. That's insane. When the cam the camera panned on the crowd several times, I was like, I don't see any blue. I just see a bunch of red. 
Last time I checked, there is no degree of red in the Rams <laughs> jersey. So it's not like it's not like in Tampa Bay where it's like, where's Waldo? You know, where are the Niner fans in the sea of red? You know, when you play other red teams, that I get that, but not the case in L.A. this past Sunday. No, and the student had to face the master, Sean McVay, finally had to face a Kyle Shanahan team that was locked and loaded. And the response is exactly what we thought. Nothing. <laughs> he couldn't do anything. The Rams were dismantled. They gave up halfway through the third quarter. Halfway through the That team looked gassed. They looked like they wanted to be anywhere but on the field on Sunday. It was insane. The the 49ers weren't, it wasn't a perfect game for us. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he gave us our uh, our weekly, you know, uh, very heartbreaking interception. He's always good for one of those once a week. He's going to give you one really bad pass that's going to break your heart. But uh, and, but had he not done that, we might have won 27-7. Maybe, maybe even, even a couple more points on the board. But the 20 40, or 26, seven could have been a blowout. Yeah, absolutely. The, the defense is unstoppable. And I think I have to eat crow. I think we all have to eat crow. All of us. Cause a lot of people and don't pretend like you didn't talk crap. Goldcast nation. Don't pretend like you weren't on, on the comment section of YouTube bitching like the rest of us about the lack of secondary that we picked up in the off season. We all have to eat crow. The I the man I want to give most respect to right now is John Lynch. John Lynch is the man who put this team together, and he is not getting the respect he deserves. And we're gonna break down the whole game, but I just wanna I just wanna talk about John Lynch for a second because this man is the guy who put this team together. And, and of course, Shanahan had a big part of it. I'm not saying he didn't, but that's John Lynch's job. And I have to say, this team that he has put together for Shanahan. He has put those coaches in the best position to succeed. And Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala are running away with it. And Sherman was a big, big defender of Robert Sala as well. He defended him all last year and said that it's not his fault that the team isn't capable, isn't capable of succeeding and executing the schemes he puts together defensively. Well, he was the one that had, he's another guy that had the most questions coming into this season, and he is executing at the highest level. This team is out of control. But I just I wanted to I just wanted to give Lynch some props right away first. I wanted to give John Lynch some props cuz he 100% deserves all the credit in the world cuz he put this team together and we were all very critical of him, understandably so, but this is why they get paid the big bucks and we don't. And Robert Sala, another coach we were very very frustrated with last year and the year before and there was even rumors that he might, you know, he might be on the chopping block and you give him you give him the the defense he wants and he is competing at the highest level as a coach Shanahan competing at the highest level as a coach this team is out of control and i still believe offensively we're still not even where where we're going to be in 8 weeks you know in 4 or 5 weeks i'm sorry we're we're not we're not there yet we're still finding our footing but this team is out of control they are so good it is it's amazing it is so awesome to see where these guys are, to see what we're doing week in and week out. And I love it. Of course, now everyone's going, well, you know, the Niners are 
are still not, haven't really been tested yet. We hear this every week. Every week coming into that Sunday, someone says, well, this is the big test for the 49ers here. If they can win today, well, then, you know, maybe they're for real. Then we destroy that team. And then the following Monday, they go, well, you know, the Niners haven't really been tested yet, but this big test is coming up, you know, in a week or so. Like every week we hear this, right? Every team we destroy, it's not a test anymore. That, that, team's, that team's no good. When they go win in other games, other places, they're good. But when they lose to the 49ers, they're not good. But anyways, I digress. I've said a lot. I've thrown a million things out. I am, I'm on such a high. I've been on such a high for the last two days straight. Just so excited about what's happening. And I'm dying to hear your thoughts. I'm going to turn over the mic. Take it away. All you. Well, I think the first thing is I keep overestimating our opponent's ability to score on our defense. Two weeks in a row, I've called for 17-point efforts by our opponents. And two weeks in a row... They have clearly not reached that goal. And the last week, only got three points. This week, only a touchdown. And it was the opening drive, the, the only impressive drive by the Rams all day long. In fact, it was seven plays. It took three minutes and 36 seconds. They marched 56 yards. They started on their own 44 yards from some good special teams returning. And it was all run plays. The whole script on the opening drive by the Rams was, we're going to run it down your throat. And they did. In fact, they outgained us on rushing yards for the day, 109 yards versus 99 yards. The Rams did a great job establishing the run early and also limiting our run. Now, I did say that we would not amass 275 yards. Typically, that's the NFL because it's, it's, it's the exception, not the rule. You know, you get 275 yards, you come back down to earth typically on the next game. I didn't think we would get under 100 yards, but, you know, credit to the Rams for doing that. But conversely, we came out passing more, and I expected the passing game to be stronger in this game, and that's certainly what it was. Outside of the one ill-advised pick that was supposed to go to George Kittle, according to Kyle Shanahan, but there was some holding calls that prevented him from getting to his spot. And to me, I thought the play was originally going to go to Debo Samuel, and I thought Debo Samuel... Um, shortened his route. I thought he was supposed to stay in the spot where the ball was thrown versus where he was. He was just outside the hash marks when the ball was thrown. And someone was also in Jimmy's face too. I think if Jimmy had protection and could see the field, I'm not sure if he would have thrown that ball. But then again, he has thrown the ball into tight coverage before. And for some reason, he likes to do that. And for the most part, he's been successful. But listen to this. So after the first touchdown by the Rams, what happens to this team? Punt, punt, turnover on downs, fumble, punt, punt, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. <laughs> Jesus. That's the line. That's the line. So from the after the set after the seven play rushing yard, which was which had me had me very had me taken aback because they're running so effectively and they were using pre sap motion and clever clever alignments to fool our defense to where the running was going. But what happened at the second half, there is no team in the NFL that is better at second half adjustments thus far this season than our San Francisco 49ers. They came out and they stuffed the hell out of this team and they made Jared Goff pay for it to the point where they were forced to go for it on fourth down three times in the second half and three times they failed on those attempts. And man, I don't know I don't know who who your game ball is going to, 
I think God, there's like there's a few game balls that it should go to, and I just I just don't know. I, you know, to me, <laughs> it's like I want to give a game ball to Robert Sala, and I also want to give a game ball. This might surprise some of you, but I kind of also want to give a game ball to Jimmy Ward, our yes! cannon. The glass yes! cannon. Who the glass led cannon. The, <laughs> led the team in tackles for this game. Didn't have any sacks or TFLs or interceptions. But two of those four turnover on down, fourth fourth down conversion attempts were stifled by Jimmy Ward. The ones that were back-to-back possessions. So the one that came in the uh, – I'm sorry, in the, uh, the, um, the fourth quarter, that was uh, – there was – not a whole lot of time left. Jimmy Ward stopped that one. It was Henderson that tried to go up the middle, and Jimmy Ward got the stop for a no gain. Then on the then we then we got the possession and we fumbled and gave the ball back to them. But then Jared Goff tried to throw to Cooper Cup. He caught it. Jimmy Ward stuffed him behind the line of scrimmage or behind the first down marker. So there were two huge, huge plays, and these were the ones where there was there were several plays where Robert Sala got really, really enthusiastic. No, none of them more was he more galvanized than on the goal line stand, which brought back memories of the famous Super Bowl goal line stand because that's the only other goal line stand that I can recall where it was that close and we had to stop him in four straight plays, and we did it, and it was just amazing. So again, so. Th- the offense has some weak links, right? They have, we have eight drop balls. Marquise Goodwin dropped a really key ball that would have been a surefire touchdown. Granted, if Jimmy G would have thrown it with just a little bit more pepper underneath it, Marquise Goodwin wouldn't have had to stop and turn around. He could have caught it in stride and could have kept going. But nonetheless, it hit him right in the chest and just went right through his arms. That was a drop ball. The wide receiver core in total has eight drop balls this year. Jimmy Garoppolo seems to throw one silly turnover a game. He has five on the season. And I'd like to see those things need to get cleaned up. Right now, the offense, you know, this is this is a season where the defense has carried the offense because the defense has, A, been extremely healthy. Only one injury to the starting lineup thus far through five games. The offense has three key injuries to the starting lineup. All, all very pivotal roles. However, Kyle Shett... Excuse me, Kyle Shanahan just does. Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff just do an amazing job keeping these guys prepared and confident that they can go out there and win, and that the next man up can go and fulfill the role. And they did. The tackles did great. I mean, I knew Aaron Donald would get would get his numbers. He got a sack in the very first series. That was a three and out for us. One of the few three and outs that we've had all season long. We haven't had many three and outs. You know, we had. I think we had two. Two or three this game. Actually, no, I take it back. We had like four or five because towards the end of the game, it started to get pretty tight. And I'm pretty sure that we were exchanging punts back and forth at that point. But Jimmy, for the most part, has been very efficient. His stat line between the 2017 5-0 run is almost identical to the stat line to the 5-0 start this season. Not only are the records the same, but the passing attempts and yardage are are almost identical. I think he threw for 400 more yards in 2017, and that's because our offense was very much lopsided back then. We didn't have as strong as a running game as we do now, but he threw seven touchdowns versus five picks. So one thing is for sure, Jimmy seems to be very, very consistent in, in his efficiency. So I think going forward, I, I'm what, what my hope is is that he's just going to get better and better. He doesn't have a lot of games under this system, even though he's been studying it for a couple years now. But studying 
and getting actual repetitions are two different things. And right now he's getting those repetitions under his belt. He's 100% healthy. And I think he's been extremely efficient, more efficient than some analysts and pundits and even fans would give him credit for. Um, it doesn't always have to be 300 yards and three touchdowns to zero interceptions for it to be efficient or for it to be a good performance. God, people need to understand that. He was 24 for 33 for 243 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, one interception. But just because that stat line says that doesn't mean that Jimmy's good. On third downs alone, the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL for passing third downs in in the league, Jimmy Garoppolo, this is for passing, not when we run on third down, but when we pass on third down, Jimmy Garoppolo is the third best passer on third down conversions in the National Football League. You're not poor or bad if you're among the top three on third down conversion. Third down is the toughest down next to fourth down if you do decide to even run a play on fourth down. But third down is considered the most pivotal down in any offensive series. So for Jimmy G to be among the top three in that category speaks to the volumes of how efficient he is in this passing game. And I know that the rank the rank doesn't say much, but remember, ranking is based on the actual accumulated yardage, you know, and is, is, is based on pure yardage. That's all it is. And even though we don't have the yardage to be like a top 10 offense, they beat, I mean, they, they, they are still a very efficient passing game. It's a short, it's a very West Coast-esque passing game. Although it seems like Kyle Shannon does like to dish it out at least, like I'd say, two or three times a game is what I'm seeing when he likes to throw for a long ball. We did have a long ball attempt this game, but that was that was dropped by Marquise Kudum. But then there was the brilliant catch by Dante Pettis over the middle late in the game, late in the third quarter, I believe it was, where Dante Pettis made a leaping grab, and he almost followed it up with another leaping grab in the end zone, almost kind of the catch-esque in the the, the way, the, the body posture of when he went up to get the grab. Unfortunately, he came down with one foot inbounds, one foot out of bounds, and it didn't get the score for that. But you've got um you've got uh, you've got a very efficient we have a very efficient quarterback the only thing that needs to get cleaned up is his turnover ratio and some of these guys need to catch the ball when it hits them in the chest uh, almost all these guys have a drop uh Raheem Mostert has a drop Tevin Coleman has a drop Debo Samuel has a couple drops i don't think George Kittle has any drops and and George Kittle's by far our our best receiver on his team he gets the most targets he has the most yards he had over 100 yards in this game he did actually really good in fantasy this week if you had him in fantasy but um but other than that again this was a defensive effort jared goff was smothered all day long eric armstead played amazing had a half a stack d ford had a sack and a half and a tfl deforest buckner had a tfl ronald blair had a sack and a tfl solomon thomas out of nowhere had that, that big sack in the tfl Jaquaski Tart had a TFL, one of the silent contributors to this defense that isn't getting enough attention. And him him paired with Jimmy War seems to be a very good pair so far, barring any injury from Jimmy. But so far, they're playing terrific together. And Nick Bosa, despite having no sacks or TFLs, and I think had one assisted tackle, is extremely efficient on he just a lot of pressure. The yeah, yeah. The, puts a lot pressure, of pressure on those quarterbacks. Yeah. His pressure every 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 down charts. he's coming. 
Every down. Yeah, exactly. His his pressure efficiency is just off the charts. Robbie Gold, special teams, that's a weak link this year that needs to get shorn up. I I, I know some of it is with the the fact that we don't have a a good uh, snapper right now, yeah. which apparently, you know, is a big deal. You don't know how big of a deal that is until, you know, <laughs> until you start you missing want, field until goals. you see a bad one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, that that's a big deal for a kicker in terms of how it comes off of the foot. The laces out is a very real thing that does change the trajectory of the football, despite being so, despite, despite seeming like an insignificant detail to have to cover. Uh, every single kick, but it doesn't matter. Every kickoff, every punt, every field goal attempt always has the laces out, and that's all on purpose by design. But overall, again, this is a defensive effort. The Rams never were in this game after that very first drive. It was their best drive, and it was one of... They had... They had. I don't think... After that, I think they had one drive of six play, another drive of eight plays, and that was it. Other than that, they got shut out for three straight quarters. Jared Goff was 13 for 24 for 78 yards. This is a top, top elite passing offense. And I know some of those, some of that statistical ranking is inflated because they threw for, I don't know, almost like 800 yards the past two games, over 100 attempts uh, for Jared Goff, which is unusual for an NFL team to have to do that. I'm pretty sure that there was a, that was a record within a two-game span. Not only a Rams record, but also an NFL record for that type of volume of passing. But at the same time, this is still a very elite passing game. This is this is a, a different passing game than what we throw. You know, Matt, Matt Hasselbeck said that these the, the playbooks for these two teams were identical. Very disappointing to hear such a. I completely disagree. That's ridiculous. Yes, such a such a boneheaded take from a guy who plays a position that should know better. Now, are the playbooks, are the styles similar? Yes. And maybe he didn't mean little, but these playbooks are far and away vastly different from one another. One is a derivative and an influence from 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 Kyle Shanahan in Sean McVay's playbook, but the passing game is very different. Do they do a zone running game in LA? They do, but it's very different from the zone running game that we do on our side. I don't necessarily have the complete knowledge to break that the difference down completely, but you know, one of the differences is that the last couple years they've used they use 10 personnel in that zone running scheme. We often use 11 and 12 personnel in our zone running scheme and we often use three backs, two to three backs in our zone running scheme whereas outside of this season Los Angeles has more or less depended on one back to fulfill that role, and rightfully so. He's been the best back, the best dual running back in the NFL. And when you have someone that good, yes, you do want to give him the lion's share of the touches. Carolina does the same thing with Christian McCaffrey, and rightfully so. He is the best dual back in the NFL right now, and that's what you need to do with a player like that because they're just so darn good on both sides. These are players that can can potentially get you a Roger Craig-like season. A thousand yards rushing, a thousand yards receiving. Christian McCaffrey is actually on pace for that. So, but again, this is a, a team that had to play a committee running game just to compete with us. And the second half adjustments shut all of that down. It was just completely shut down. Defensively, this team actually played pretty good. They gave up 20 points, but they only got two sacks. 
they did get six TFL, so that was a big deal. They were they were doing a really good job against our running game, held to 99 yards. There's something to be said about that. So teams will certainly look at that tape, and adjustments, of course, will be made on our end so that we don't let that happen and we go back to what we do best. So, But yes, the playbooks are not the same. It was a horrible take. Absolutely horrible take. Big props to Rex Ryan, who chose us to win the game. Big props to Brandon Marshall on Inside the NFL for picking us to take the game because everybody else had us losing, had us losing. And what was the rationale, especially on Inside the NFL? Uh, I just don't see the Rams losing at home, and I don't see the Rams losing three straight. Well, guess what? That's not an analysis. When I look at the games, <laughs> I look at the matchups, right? I look at the matchups. I say, what's the matchups? Who has the advantage here? The Niners had the advantage almost on every position except for tackle against Aaron Donald, who had a phenomenal game. He had a terrific game. Aaron Donald got his numbers. But he did. That's, just one, that's just one guy. It's like, hey, you're going to match your Aaron Donald against our four first-rounders that all can do Aaron Donald-like things coming off of the snap. It's like, good luck. Good luck. So, you know, that's what I saw. That's my take. I give a game ball to Robert Sala. and I give two game balls, Jimmy Ward and Robert Sala for this game. I love it. I love it. I want to go back to Jimmy G really quick on that third down efficiency, right? Because we've seen a real a pattern emerging with the 49ers, right? They they like to run on first and second down. And if they haven't gotten the, uh, another first down, then what they do is they go to Jimmy G and he, and he is extremely efficient at getting us uh, – past the hash marks and, and, and getting us another another round of downs. And he's really good at that. Really, really good at that. They haven't asked him to do a whole lot. I love how Kyle Shanahan, uh, I don't want to use the dirty, the dirty term game manager because it has such a ridiculous connotation that is, is completely unfair. Uh, managing football games and being efficient at that in the NFL is extremely hard to do. And there are very few quarterbacks that are even capable of being a game manager. And a game manager has become this dirty word when it's, no, it's really good. People have won Super Bowls managing games. You know, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl managing a game. You know, Every single quarterback in the NFL's job is to manage the game. Because they, the offense runs through them. The ball goes through them every single offensive snap. Unless you're doing some kind of crazy wildcat thing. But other than that, it goes through the quarterback. So every quarterback has to manage. I don't know when it became this this negative thing. And I, I feel like some of it started it with really Alex started Smith with Alex when Smith. he got good yeah. with Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh. Because they said, like, Alex Smith, you know, you know, he's really starting to manage the game well. And I'm just like, well, yeah, every quarterback has to manage the game. Well, Deshaun Watson does. Derek Carr does. Carson Wentz does. Matt Ryan does. Kyle Allen does. Phillip Rivers. They all have to do this. Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes, Brady, Bridgewater, Breeze, Darnold, Stafford. These guys all have to manage, quote, unquote, the game. Jimmy G manages the game very efficiently which is why he's third in the nfl on passing third downs he's got he's got 48.7 percent on that stat the only two people that are better than him is Derek carr and deshaun watson deshaun watson who's having a game that's who's putting up statistics on par with russell wilson believe it or not yeah and yeah jimmy g like i said going back to this 100 i agree with everything you said he is extremely efficient when we need him to be you know, he really is. And I I love it because I see a quarterback that is only going to get better. He is far and away much better than Jared Goff. He's in a he's in a better system, in my opinion. He's yeah. far more versatile. And he's like, more efficient than Tom Brady right now. 
Tom Brady yeah. is 15th in the league on third down passing efficiency. Yeah, Jimmy G, Jimmy G, the sky is the limit. I mean, this is, we are seeing basic Jimmy G. We are seeing Jimmy G coming back off of a torn ACL. We are seeing a Jimmy G that isn't being asked to do a whole lot. Is being, you know, is, is, is you know, is, but when he is called upon, he makes it happen. For the most part, very efficiently. And I love him. I mean, here, l- listen, you, you got Patrick Mahomes, you know, the 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 the, the second coming of, of John Elway over there in uh, Kansas City, and they've lost two in a row. You know, I mean, granted, he's hurt. He, he's definitely very hurt right now. But Jimmy G does. Really? You, th- you think you think he's compared to, to John Elway? Is that who you know. compare? I, I just, I just, I Did, just, is that just to throw that out there? <laughs> yeah, that was literally just, the, I think it's AFC West. I just pulled, like, the first quarterback uh, that came into my yeah, head. Yeah, 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 no, I was going to no. say, he's more, I, he's I think he's like, like I think he's Damn like Steph Reno Curry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just makes the he makes the impossible look normal, uh, in a good way. And but Jimmy G is so efficient, and that's all, that's all we need from him. This team is so efficient. It is it is really exciting to see what these guys are doing week in and week out. Third down efficiency. I mean, you want to compare us to the Rams? We were eight of seventeen. They were zero of nine. Zero yes. of four on fourth down. Yeah, Zero they didn't convert four. any any of the crucial downs that you need to convert in a game. They didn't convert it once. Once yards per pass, one point seven from Jared Goff, one point seven. Because he was he Ouch. was he was doing a lot of these little dink and dunks. Because that's all. I mean, that was like the the most he could get from the 49er defense was these little dink and dunks. And even they were half the time on the run, with a lot of pressure, and it was just desperate attempts to try and get anything done. You know, they uh, we suffocated this team and the offense the offense is very efficient right now the run game is very efficient they were saying i'm sure you probably heard it on the broadcast that kyle shanahan was the first to to run back uh back into the um into the locker rooms to at halftime because he could not wait to make his adjustments and when they came out i mean it was it was the game was still it was still seven it was tied seven seven going into the half you know, I, I, I was I was fully this was, this was a game. This was a yeah, game. Yeah. It was. I, I was expected fully it to be close. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't me too. Surprised by that. I was But I was either. also thinking I was also thinking second half adjustments are gonna be the difference of this game and I think they're they're gonna figure them out. They're yeah. gonna figure this team out. Yeah. Well and you know, our, our LA our LA co host Louis B, he texts me probably right around the end of the third quarter and he was like, Congratulations, you've won this game. You're first in the NFC West. We're done. He goes, well, I think we're done today. I think our season's done. I was like, I, we'll be lucky if we win nine games. I was like, wow. Holy moly. I was now, like, really? now, does Louis B have a flair for the dramatics? No, not really. I mean, uh, no. I mean, as much as any of us actors. Because that, that's, that's a strong feeling that he has there. It, for he him was, to call so early and just throw in the towel. He really did. He threw in the towel right at the end of the third quarter. He's like, this team is done. I was like, we're only up by like 10 points you know i was like i was like this is this is one touchdown and you're right back in oh, i wish he could have been on the cast and, and what and what happened right they had they had one play in the third quarter the handoff that was an unforced error and a turnover and a fumble that eric armstead recovered and what have what have the 49ers done every time on their first possession in the second half of every game they've scored and sure enough Five games in a row, five possessions in the second half, five first possessions in the second half, five scores. 
this team is so efficient coming out of the second half with the adjustments. And when they when the Rams lost that fumble, it took four plays to get down there. And that was when Jimmy Garoppolo did the quarterback sneak up the middle. That was that play. And it was just four plays, took two minutes of time. This this team is just insane with not only their defensive prowess, but their play calling and play designing and ability to just figure a team out or to continue to figure keep a team figured out or keep them guessing and to just be so efficient. I mean, this is you have to be a good offensive team to score on all of your opening possessions of the second half of all of your games in an NFL season thus far. Five straight games to be specific, you know, in this case. That's that's like, you know, that's New Orleans Saints territory. That's, you know, New England territory. So that's, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to lay it down in the NFC. Who is the best team in the NFC right now? Is it the 49ers, the New Orleans Saints, or the Seattle Seahawks? I'm not even going to put the I, I put Packers at fourth, no matter what. And props to them, but they they do not. Some I hear I see some people saying they're the best team in the NFC. Bullshit. It's one of these three teams. Who is the best team in the NFC? And we're gonna we're gonna end it on this, right? What do you, who do you think? Hmm, that's a good question. Right now, it seems like, I mean. If I were to go statistically, statistically and by record, I think it's the Niners. But I'd have to say that, you know what? Actually, I'm gonna say it. I think I think the Niners are the best team, and New Orleans Saints is a very strong second second place team, just because of how efficient they've been able to remain despite playing with their backup quarterback. So a lot of resiliency is being shown by them right now, and they've been playing pretty good defense the last couple games. Even though that you know this is uh their defense is a top top ten defense, but our defense is the number two defense, and there's a huge difference between the eleventh ten. They're, they're like they're eleventh in points, tenth in yards, eleventh in passing yards, and fourteenth against a rush. The Niners are the number two defense in the NFL. Very very difficult to do that, and then offensively. Our Niners, we are the best rushing team in the NFL. We are like top three in scoring. And we are top three or top five, I think, in total yards. And we're like middle of the pack in passing yards just because our running game is so efficient that we don't have to rely on passing as much as other teams do. So I think, you know, I think it has to be the Niners. Not only um, are they unbeaten, but they also have a top five offense and defense. And to me, that that's what it's going to take. That's what it takes to get to the big show and to get deep into the playoffs. You need a top rank team. You need a top rank team to do this. And right now the Niners have the best ranked team in the NFC. The only other team that's better than them defensively is New England. That's it. Offensively, you know, there, there's other teams that, that do a couple of things better. You know, Casey has the best deep ball in, in the entire National Football League. New Orleans has one of the best rounded teams. But, yeah, I'm going to go Niners. So I'm going to say the Saints as number one for me only because I don't know if Jimmy G went down if he would still be as efficient. And what they've been able to do with Drew Brees out of the lineup is is very 
impressive. And I said at the beginning of the season that I thought the Saints were going to win, were going to the Super Bowl this year. I didn't realize the 49ers were going to have a lot to say about it, and I'm really happy that we do, and I look forward to playing them in the second half of the season. The good news is is we get to play all those teams in the second half of the season, so we're going to see where we line up. I am so excited. We play the Packers. We play the Saints. We play the Seahawks. That's all, that's all coming up, so I can't wait. I would say my ranking would go Saints, 49ers, Seahawks, Packers. That's that's that would be my my top four. Um, I but again, I want to see where we line up. I, we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out when we when we play the Saints in New Orleans. We're gonna see. But uh, Raymond, any final thoughts before we go? Just that, you know, I I I knew that they I had strong hopes. I well, I had a strong feeling that they would win. I just didn't think it would be that efficient i thought the rams being that they were against the ropes were going to do it but i think the rams got more issues to deal with than perhaps i could analyze you know i think they're some of their key injuries and just inability to be to maintain you know it's it's different you know i don't think it'd be like if the saints had lost alvin kamara you know how good would that offense be without alvin kamara who catches the ball out of the backfield and in the passing game, but also runs the ball very efficiently, especially now that Mark Ingram's over there in Baltimore. So I think the Saints would be different without Gurley, and clearly the Rams are different. Or sorry, the Saints would be different without Kamara, and clearly, clearly the Rams are different without Gurley. Although in the first opening drive, I thought that they had a brilliant game plan and were running very efficiently. It was frustrating to watch because I was like, "Damn, these guys are doing every not." Every single running play in that opening drive was positive. There were no there were no no gains and there were no TFLs. They were getting like they were gashing us six, eight, ten yards at a time. So that was that was surprising to see. So that I mean, if if they, I wonder if they're gonna they they I think they should use a committee going forward. They should put Malcolm Brown and Henderson in there. If I was a Rams fan, that's what I would be campaigning for. Because I think that's that's a better that's a better recipe for success than what they've done, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So my final thought is, like you said, you know, we have we've gone through a lot. You said this last week, and I'm basically going to echo it this week. We've gone through a lot, Goldcast Nation. We've gone through many brutal years. Sit back and enjoy this. Enjoy every win. Savor every win because we all know how quickly this can fall apart. So just savor it and enjoy the ride. Don't get cocky. Stay humble. And and week by week, brick by brick, just enjoy the ride because Shani is doing what he does and Sala is doing what he does and this team is playing at a very high clip. So just enjoy right. the ride. Everyone have fun. Let's just keep having fun because we've gone through some really bad, awful years. And I'm glad there that has. we can enjoy some football right now. So enjoy the week. We will be back. We'll have the we'll have the uh who who is the greatest barrier coach. We're gonna have that episode dropping in the middle of the week. And then of course, fr- our Thursday night preview, which always drops. Usually you guys will find it Friday morning. But uh we we like to do our preview. We'll do our preview. Of this Washington game Thursday night, it'll be out on Friday. Yeah, yep, and that'll next, be our- there's a three game stretch that looks extremely winnable now. Yeah, there's a good yep. chance. There's a good chance we remain winless, but I'll save my. You the, mean the rest uh, of my uh, you mean uh, I mean not uh, there's a, undefeated. We undefeated. 
Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There's a good chance we'd lose all these games. <laughs> we lose all these games. <laughs> all right, Ray. We will see you later in the week. Now coming up is our boy and your favorite 49er fan, your new favorite 49er fan, Johnny Dell's Johnny Dell's Football Academy. Here we go. Here's that episode. Can't wait for you guys to hear this. This is great. All, all right. Here we go. As promised, Goldcast Nation, we have someone that if you haven't heard about him, you will now. And I really want you to go to YouTube and add this guy. Goldcast Nation, 49er Faithful. This is a Rudy Solis the third approved member of the crew. This is somebody that I want you to go add immediately. Johnny Dells, and he is his page is Johnny Dells Football Academy, and we'll spell that out at the end, and I'll make sure that we leave a link in the description. But uh, first of all, Johnny Dell, thank you so much. Welcome to the Goldcast. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your page first and foremost. I want to t- tell the people how I found and came across your page. I'm pretty sure while working on and actually editing an episode of the Goldcast, your pay, your your channel was recommended to me. And I, I looked at it and I saw it and I realized it was there were videos on basically like coaches playbooks on what exactly happened in the games for the 49ers dating back to last season. And I was like, what what is this? And so I started watching your videos and it was they were amazing. You, you're sitting there, and if you guys haven't seen this, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of describe this for you, and then I want I want Johnny here to kind of just talk about how you, how you got into this and, and why you started this channel. But he's sitting there, and you're he's breaking down a play. You're breaking down these plays, and you're going. And this year, I mean, you're breaking down play by play versus just you know I saw in the early, last year you had like these 20 minute videos where you were kind of going through the whole game. But he'll literally sit there and break down what's going on, what the linemen are about to do why this play is working, why a play maybe necessarily didn't work the week before and why what they're doing to improve upon it the following week and just giving us a play-by-play of what Kyle Shanahan and this team is doing offensively, defensively. And so just break down for us, how, why did you start this page? How did, what, what gave you the inspiration for it? Because I keep calling it page, this channel, because I absolutely love it and I think this is a must-watch for any 49ers fan. Well, for me, you know, it started years ago i've always been a really analytical person and i've loved football um when i played football in high school i joined when i was a sophomore and that was a rough year it was a year uh i came in and i didn't know anything i mean they would call a defense they'd say we, we ran a defense we call it tiger cover three i didn't know what that meant i'd go out there i played middle linebacker and i wouldn't know where i was going who i was reading what i was looking at anything and my coaches never trusted me actually going out on the field. They, I remember I, I had a conversation with one, and he flat out told me, he goes, I don't feel like I can put you in the game because you don't know what you're doing, and you're going to get yourself hurt. And so that whole year was rough. And so I sat there, and I tried to learn everything I could, and I took the off season that year and tried to learn everything about the game, our defense that we, we played. And because for me, I, I have to understand what's going on to be able to do anything. And so from there, I, I, I just set off the next 18 years of my life just trying to learn as much as I could about football and the strategy of it. So back probably in 2010, I think is when it was when I first started getting interested of 
I, I was sitting there wishing that the NFL would allow us to view coaches film because I kept hearing about this and you'd see the, the shows like NFL playbook and it felt like it was just a, a tiny little piece. You know, you wanted so much more because they're trying to give every fan base something, but they're giving you two, three minutes in a week to cover something. And I, I felt like it just wasn't enough. I wanted to know more and, and get more of that. And I remember there was one game I sat, I was so frustrated. It was back when Mike Singletary was still the coach and we were, we were playing Alex Smith was, was having a rough year. And I remember a lot of fans were really, really dogging on the guy. And I sat through a game and I was trying to analyze why everything turned out the way it was. And I sat there watching the broadcast view going, this, this just cannot tell me anything. So fast forward that to 2013 I ended up, uh, I moved to from Washington State to Alabama, of all places, and then my dad got really sick, and he lived in Oregon, so I went and flew back and was taking care of my dad. He was, he was fighting cancer at the time, and I ended up, he was staying at my sister's house, and there wasn't a lot for him to do, and he was, he was on a lot of medication, so he was pretty much sleeping during the day. My sister had to work, her husband had to work, and I had taken a, a leave of absence from work to go out there and take care of him. So all I had was a laptop in this tiny little building out in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. And the only thing I had was an internet connection. And so I subscribed to the NFL's Game Pass where you could look at coaches film. And from there, I got really interested in sharing what I was seeing happening on the field with other people. Because as, as fans, we want the most of our teams, right? We're, we're constantly digging for information and you get nothing from coaches and players, right? You get coach speak, you get players speak, you know, they'll say what happened on this play. And very rarely do they say something or, you know, if it's like Bill Belichick, he says it so quickly and mumbled, nobody understands what's going on. Um, so there, what I did is I was in a, a fan forum at, at 49erswebzone.com and I started a forum thread one day, just, called coaches film analysis thread and I was taking pictures and drawing out what was going on and highlighting different things I didn't think much of it and within like two weeks the pay that that thread in the forum was the most viewed thread in like two years um, and so I realized that there was that fans were wanting to see something like this so actually for the next five years after that every week after games I would do a thread uh, it was a little hard during the Chip Kelly years. <laughs> um, <laughs> not gonna lie, uh, I didn't. I, there, there was actually about a stretch for about a month um, during Ch the Chip Kelly years where I didn't do any threads. I didn't. I didn't watch film uh, mainly. And the biggest reason why I didn't that year was I honestly got bored of watching the film. One, it's hard to watch losing football. Two, I was bored watching Kelly's offense. That sounds crazy. But what I had done is the is after he got hired, I went through and watched his three years in Philadelphia. And I was actually sitting here with with pieces of paper and I was drawing out every play he was running to keep a catalog of my own playbook because I was always always interested in how many plays are guys running, you know, all this kind of stuff. And what I found after watching three years of his film was that he didn't have very many plays. And so I was worried then and I was started talking about it then. I said, you know. I don't think this this offense is going to do really well next year. I think there's not enough plays. I think it's going to lead to a lot of turnovers and interceptions because guys are going to teams are going to start seeing the same thing over and over again. And you can't do that in the NFL. And so that year, I, I just got bored watching it. So 
but then during the Shanahan years, I've kept pretty much on top of it. And because one, it's, it's just been a much more enjoyable experience watching film. Uh, there's a there's almost new things every week or every other week, new wrinkles coming in. And it's been really interesting to see and see the growth and maturity of the offense uh, specifically and the defense. Actually, the defense we've seen a lot more this year than we've seen anything else. But fast forward then to this last offseason season. I really just started the channel as a way to do a quicker breakdown than I was doing for the forum just in pictures because it would take so long to I'd take screenshots. I would take, you know, eight, nine screenshots. I'd have to categorize them, uh, organize them. I'd be drawn on them, save them, upload them to a file sharing program, then load them onto the forum and then convert video to, to GIFs and upload that and it was so tedious. I thought, you know, if I could just record what I'm doing as I go, this would be a lot easier. And so I did that, and I just put it up on YouTube. I really didn't think I w- it was going to go anywhere. I thought I'd maybe get 100 people following, maybe, you know. But then it was like within the first month, I think I had 900 or 1,000 subscribers, and I thought, what in the world? And that was during the off season. I thought, wow, okay. I was not expecting that, and I started getting traffic from other places. Uh, Reddit was a big draw that I was seeing and then YouTube recommending to other people and people are con- you know commenting on the video saying man you need to put out more of this content and so you know if 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 I when I go back and look at especially my very first videos I'm almost a, a little embarrassed because there was just very little effort that I put into it because I really did not expect it to go anywhere and really to go and reach anything more um, but really now what my goal is as, as the channel is to provide the kind of content that fans who really want to, to dive into the 49ers and, and follow them and follow this, the team and the changes and things that go on at the, the nitty gritty level, because so often we're relying upon other people's opinions as far as analysts, you know, like PFF or, uh, the NFL Network or ESPN to sit there and tell us whether or not our players are performing well. For me, I yeah. want to be able to see see for ourselves are we performing well. And and you know there's so many things we try and pull from because you know like Nick Bosa for example, if we just look at his stat line at the beginning of the year, it's not going to look that impressive. You know it's it's good right, but it's not like wow. You know he if you look at his sack numbers compared to a Shaq Barrett or Miles Garrett, it's not there. But his impact on the game has been huge, and it goes so far beyond that. So it's things like that is why I, I, I love the, the opportunity that I have with, with the channel. That's awesome. So now let me ask you, you mentioned coming from Washington. Where, how did you become a, a fan of the 49ers? I'm assuming you're not from the Bay Area. Maybe you are. Maybe your family is. Give me the history. How did you become a fan of the 49ers? Yeah, so... My mom grew up in the Oakland area, uh, and she she was a diehard 49ers fan. Like she, when she was a kid, her and her dad used to go to the old Kizar Stadium. Oh wow! And yeah, yeah. So I mean, we're talking uh, good old time 49ers. That's fans. old school 49ers. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. So, that's so great. Me growing up, I grew up in Oregon, and. We we watch the 49ers games every chance we get. Now this was in the 80s and 90s, so you know there wasn't as much Seahawks coverage in Oregon as there was as it grew later. Um, 
So most of the games we got on a weekend were going to be 49ers games. And so, I mean, I remember I was, I was, I had just turned 10 years old when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl uh, in 1994, uh, I guess it was 95, you know, the 94 Mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a 10 year old, I was put, I, I had a buddy who was a diehard Cowboys fan and you know, you know, it was, it was that rivalry in the nineties was oh, yeah. heated. And so I, at 10 years old, I was putting down money with him on that game, on the <laughs> NFC championship game that year. You know, so, uh, I've, I've been a, a diehard fan. The, the earliest game I remember was the 89 Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I remember our family me watching too. that I was five years old. And so I remember watching that game. I don't remember much of what happened. You know, I remember it was a blowout and I, I was getting kind of bored because it was such a blowout and I went in the other room or something. But yeah, I was five years old. Um, but it's been ever since. And I mean, that's been my team. And and we, you know, if you talk to anybody, as, as you know, being a fan that long, you are a dyed in the wool 49ers fan. If you've if you've gone from the glory of the 80s and the 90s and you stuck it out through the 2000s. Uh, you know, that is, that is a true fan. And, 100%. So, <laughs> and so, I mean, uh, I remember the day that Dennis Erickson was hired and just wanting, uh, that was a day of sorrow. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some rough, rough years in the middle. The two thousands oh, yeah. were, well, rough. and for me, sorry, not to cut you off. No, that's okay. Um, the worst part about that was this is going to be so crazy. I was actually I had gone to college in Kirkland, Washington, and the university I was going to at the time, the Seahawks were leasing their practice facility from the university, so it was on campus. Like wow. literally, the northern parking lot was their overflow parking lot. I ran into Holmgren three or four times in the parking lot, and. <laughs> He's a big guy, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> he looks big. You know, yeah, and like Dion Branch was playing for them at the time. He he would he I'd be sitting in line at the bank and he would drive up in his big Cadillac CTS um, that he had there. And when when I lived on, in the on-campus apartments, they were on the other side of the practice facility. They were practicing almost in my backyard. I mean, it was like I looked out the back patio. And there was a chain link fence. And on the other side of that was their practice field. And we would play our intramural games on their practice field. So you better believe when I would be wearing my jersey on game day that it was a rough day (laughs) for me. (laughs) And uh, my first game, first game I ever went to as a um, live game, I went to a, a friend of mine that I grew up with with in high school he got me tickets for my birthday to go to the 49ers seahawks game at CenturyLink field and that was uh it was in november of 2004 and what's speci- or what's special about that i know it wasn't november it was september i think it was september 24th i want to say I, I don't have it in front of me but that was the game that the 49ers broke their their uh, scoring streak. They had gone 420 games scoring points. And that game, they got shut out. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was there. I was there. That was my first game. That's your first game. First game. 
the first game I ever go to was the first time in 27 years they hadn't scored a point in a game. Wow. And, and I stuck it out until like three minutes left in the fourth quarter, I think. We were up in the in the third level. I was getting heckled mercilessly the entire game. I think like by the the third somewhere in the third quarter, we only had like 100 yards of offense. I think it was Ken Dorsey was playing quarterback. It was oh, it was it was brutal. It was a it was a rough game. But I, I did have a few fans that came up to me, you know, as I'm taking the walk of shame. They're like, man. You stuck it out. Much respect, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> the they 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 applied the mercy rule to you. They did, yeah, they did. That is amazing. That is awesome. I love hearing that story. Uh, my uh, my I mentioned to you this off air, but uh, my my earliest memory is also the '89 Super Bowl, and my favorite part. My dad has the gold, old school 49ers jacket. He's got it on. He piles us into the car. We drive down through the mission district. We're in the mission, and it's 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 two it's a it's a four lane street, but there's no center divide. It's that it's just literally two yellow lines, and we're we're so packed. We're not driving very fast. We're moving slow enough that he just is reaching his arm out, and he's high fiving the drivers going the opposite direction. And I'll never forget just thinking. This is the greatest thing ever to happen. I had no idea that when they won, that the city would turn into a giant party. I had no idea. And that's my earliest 49er memory. And then one of my most, one of the biggest and most important ones was when the Niners, after the NFC Championship in 2011, in 2012, my father gave me that 49ers gold bomber jacket that he wore that day in 89. He'd kept it all these years. And he said, I can't really fit this jacket anymore. And I wanted you to have it. And he goes, he goes, there's some, he goes, those stains on there. Those are, those are Super Bowl stains. He goes, those are beer Super Bowl stains. He goes, you wear that with pride. I still have it. I ended up going and buying uh, those vintage uh, gold ones for my brothers, and we all have them. I got a bigger one for for my father now because he got he obviously is a bigger man than he was when he was young, and uh, we we all rock the old school gold jackets on on uh, on game day when we're in the same area. I'm down now in L.A. and where are you now? Where are you living currently? Man, I'm in Northwest Alabama. Uh, that is a a long story for for a different different time, <laughs> for a different probably. <laughs> but it's so funny you mentioned that that gold bomber jacket. So that game I went to, a friend of mine had gotten me one of those vintage. It was a it was actually like a vintage bomber jacket. They found it at a thrift store in the Seattle area, and I mean it still had like one of the original tags in it. It was it was an old gold bomber jacket. So here I go. Now, okay, when I was in high school, I was such a, a 49ers fan. My dad got me a personalized jersey. I think it was 2001 when he got oh, me nice. that. And at the time, there was only one size you could get a personalized jersey in, and that was 4XL. <laughs> For real. Now, I'm not a tall guy. I'm 5 foot 8. And I was like 190 pounds. And so I'm wearing a 4XL 
personalized jersey with my name on the back that's coming down to my knees. The the arms come almost down to my – I mean, it's like wearing almost a dress. This thing is huge. <laughs> and I got the bomber jacket on top of that, and I'm wearing my hat, and I had some face paint on. Like, I was decked out for that Oh, you Seattle were top game. to bottom. You were, oh, man, I you was were fanned representing. Up. I was representing. And to sit there – in head to toe, I think I was even wearing Ford Inner socks, you know, like I was I was all into this would be the game. And it was just it was brutal. And then I then the next game I went to, I went to another game and it was in Seattle. And I want to say it was it was it was the pants dropping game. It was the game where Mike Singletary went in the half went in at halftime and dropped his pants. Oh, you were at that game too? I was at that game too. So, like, here, the first two games I go to were two of the most embarrassing losses in Seattle in the history of our franchise. I'm like, dude, have I got to stop going to games or something? <laughs> like, so, but, but, but I, I stuck it through, and the next game I went to was the Christmas Eve game. 2011 under Jim Harbaugh when we swept them when we swept them and we finally beat them in Seattle mm-hmm. finally beat them in Seattle I was at that game oh wow that is yeah. awesome I and love then, that yeah and then my my wife and I we got married the next year and we went to for, to celebrate our one year anniversary because we were living in in Washington at the time we flew down to San Francisco to go to a game at Candlestick. And so I was I was so happy. I was actually able to go to a game. It was the Cardinals game that year um, where Vernon Davis caught a couple touchdown passes and uh, we just blew out the, the, the Cardinals that game. I, I found some great tickets online. We were sitting seventh row at like the 35-yard line. Um, it was on the visitor side, so it was it was fun being on that side where where I was close enough to. I, I'm not a big heckler. I'm 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 very much like just kind of chill until something big happens and I'll scream and everything. But I'm not gonna be somebody like heckling the other team. But it was a lot of fun to hear guys heckling Carson Palmer when he was there. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, I Because I mean he's warming up right in front of us there, and people are just just mercilessly yelling at him. It was awesome. That is great. I love that. So let's fast forward now. Let's talk about where we're at. You know, and I'm I'm gonna say this. It and I've talked about this on the Goldcast. I feel like we're we're finally getting the team we were promised the day that Kyle Shanahan signed and joined, and him and John Lynch. And I feel like this. A, this team is performing def- with defensive leadership that I, I I didn't even know could exist under a Kyle Han- Shanahan regime. Um, not you know obviously he's just known for offense, so it wasn't. It's not like that's not an insult. It's just that's what he's known for. And this team defensively has just been incredible, and I think John Lynch has a huge part to do with that. The, him and his entire uh, front office and all their incredible scouting. Adam Peters, I think, has been a big part of that, uh, a huge part of that as well, and. This team, this run that they're on right now is so incredible. We're recording this on Thursday, October 10th, 7.30, so the, the Rams game has not happened. By the time you guys, Goldcast Nation, hear this, the Rams game may have happened, and we'll either be really happy or really angry that we still haven't beat the Rams. But as of right now, that game has not occurred. And the 
I, I don't know about you. I, I'm just ecstatic. I never expected a start like this. And I, I have to say, I think Shanahan is not just a little bit. I think he's way better than even Harbaugh. And and he he started with nothing. Harbaugh was inherited inherited an excellent an excellent team, a team that the year that Mike Mike Singletary's final year. I remember watching ESPN analysts on TV saying this team should be number one in the NFC West with all the weapons they have. You know, a couple questions at quarterback, but with all the weapons they have, this team should be number one or fighting for the first seed in the NFC West. And then clearly they were not. And it has been the opposite, you know, and then Harbaugh inherited him and boom, they went right where they belonged. Kyle Shanahan inherited a team that was just, I mean, pick your poison as far as where the problems were. It was just in such a huge deficit. And it has taken us two years to really get to this spot. And now, now that Finally, after two years that they have created this team, I have to admit, I didn't expect them to be this good. I, I mean, I, I, you hope and pray. And to be honest, I was expecting six wins. Now, we may just get that, I, but I really doubt it. This team isn't just kind of good. This, this team is, if they can continue along this run, is poised to really, really make some noise throughout this NFL season. What are your thoughts on this season? How do you feel about everything that you're seeing? Man, is right on. The This season has been, I, I guess, somewhat surprising, but also you you felt like something like this was coming. The, the, I think the theme that we were, as fans, talking about all offseason was, could we stay healthy? Now, we've seen we've had a number of injuries, but what we also saw in the past was if we had injuries, guys couldn't always step up. And especially you know, at the number one most important position, the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, th- this this team, I, I, when we look at, at the games, I don't feel like there's any team that has even come close to matching us in talent. You know, we, we've had some self-inflicted wounds as we go on, but when you look at just a talent level, I haven't seen any team that I felt like was as talented as, as the 49ers. And then when you look at ability to scheme against each other when you're talking about the chess match between coaches again you're seeing on both sides of the ball and then what, what you were saying you you don't expect that necessarily from a Kyle Shanahan uh, team because he's known for offense but we've been seeing more diversity and more game plan specific things coming from the defensive side of the ball that we hadn't seen before and and at a level where the defense is outshining the offense and the offense is not performing badly. You know, I'm, I think some fans are, are talking a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo and his performance and his numbers haven't been up there. You know, for me, I don't care. We have one of the top five offenses in the league. We're running the ball on everybody. And what we're getting out of our quarterback is exactly what we're asking him to do. They're not asking him to put the ball in the air 40 times a game. They're asking him to convert on the money downs, third downs when they get there, to check them into the right run run checks, to, to get the runs going to the right gaps, identifying the right bubbles, where they're going to have the right um, angles and everything. And he's doing a fabulous job of that. When you look at Jimmy Garoppolo-led offenses versus any other quarterback we've had playing under Kyle Shanahan. The, the Jimmy G office, offenses put up more yards, more points, more everything. 
and it's and it's not just in the pass game. You know, it's in the run game as well, and I think he has a big part of that. But this has been a, just the the kind of start that you were hoping we would have, but didn't maybe we didn't believe or weren't sure that we could have. And so it's been really fascinating and just fun to see and as fans, you know, man, it's great to go through the first what month of the season and not have to suffer through a defeat. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent, man. It has been phenomenal. And, it, you know, it's the kind of this is the kind of start we thought Jimmy G might give us last year. Remember? You know, this is this is what we thought was going to come, and it, it didn't quite. He got hurt so early, and it just tore the wind out of the sails. And I know what you mean, coming from someone who is so analytical and understands the game at such a level that I truly respect. We we have we have seen Kyle Shanahan scheme the hell out of these offenses that were just depleted of any talent. That had guys, some guys with heart. I mean, you know, so we we had some players that that have that were out there. Nick Mullins, I think, is a great example who who played with everything he had. And how many times did we see? In fact, how many times did we see Kyle Shannon put offenses with with no name guys out there in position to win, only to find that to, to watch the defense squander and be unable to protect that lead late in the third and fourth quarters. Um, you know, very rarely did we see a Kyle Shanahan led offense, even if it wasn't putting up spectacular numbers. If you were watching the day to day, in and out, week to week progressions of that of our team, Shanahan always schemed the hell out of those teams. And his ability to do so much with so little was always impressive. And I feel like we all were just kind of going, man, if Jimmy G can get healthy, man, if they can just add a couple more weapons, if this defense can, if they can just really build this defense, this team, I mean, if this, if, if he's able to do that with the Knicks Mullins of the world and the Brian Hoyers of the world, could you imagine if Jimmy G's healthy? And and now we're getting that, right? Now we're we're seeing the full potential of if you give Kyle Shanahan weapons on all sides of the ball. I mean, it is he's just like a kid in a candy store. And you you I love what you broke down. I want to talk about that that Matt Breida play and how you how on your channel you have this great video. Go on there. It, can you tell people the title of it? I don't I don't want to paraphrase it. Tell them the title of that video. Title of that video is uh, it's 49ers playbook colon how the 49ers I believe it's how the 49ers set Matt Breida off for uh, an 83-yard touchdown. Um, it, it's it's like one of the top three or first three videos on my channel right now, um, or will be. You know, maybe by the time this podcast is up, it'll probably be in, it's still in the top ten, and I'll add it onto a playlist of the week five uh, game review. And also, it's it's been on on Reddit too. They can find it there. The 49ers subreddit. It's, yeah. it's one of the more uh, higher posts on there. Yeah, I love that video because in it, you show them running the almost identical play the week before against Pittsburgh. And then you showed how you broke down how in the following week, they actually run the same play. It looks like it looks like on tape originally as the, the lineup, everything's identical. But then instead, Brita breaks to the other side. Kittle breaks the other side, and so does Yushek, and that that it completely, completely fools Cleveland. They they bite, they bite on the fake, and it breaks down for the run. Break that down a little bit, just for for Goldcast Nation, what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean it's a little hard when we can't see it, but basically it's it's like what you described. The week before we had run, we had come out in in a run heavy personnel, 
And what that does is that puts the defense in the in the mindset that they're 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 getting ready to strap it on and come at us. So they're getting ready to fight the run. And you know, a lot of like one of Harbaugh's weaknesses was that his running scheme. If we're if we'll wind back, you know, you'd mentioned a little bit earlier talking about how Shanahan can do so much more than Harbaugh did. Harbaugh's one of his biggest things in the run game was he was so predictable because he hated running to the weak side. So if we're talking what what the strong side and weak side is, the strong side is where you're going to have a tight end or two tight ends or tight end and a fullback. It's going to be where you have more numbers on that side of the center. And when you're facing eight-man boxes, generally the strong side, you're going to have the, have the ability to put a, a man on a man or what we call a hat on a hat and block. And, and he ran what's called a power man scheme, so it's man-to-man. When, when they line up, the the offense that guard is responsible to block one guy you know and it's going to be the guy in front of him or the guy you know that's his job he's got one guy to block and and no matter where that guy goes he will block him and he's got to block him a specific direction and so Harbaugh became so predictable that it was going to be a strong side power run almost you know first down that's what you could almost guarantee it was like 90 percent of the time you know when they got in the red zone they were going to pull Mikey Potty, and they were going to run behind Alex Boone, and they they I mean they pulled Mikey Potty so many times back then that it just became the defenses could watch Mikey Potty. I was I was I would see linebackers on the film. They their head would be staring straight at Mikey Potty, and where he would go, they would go. So he would take them to the play every time, and so running lanes kept getting congested, and. Then on top of that, we couldn't take advantage of the play-action pass game to get them to slow down. So that was one of the big hindrances in our offense back in our offense then. This year, when if you look at Kyle Shannon, he's not afraid to, and he can has the ability to run weak side, to run strong side, to run outside, to run inside. He can attack any lane in the defense, any lane that the defense will present. He will attack, and so. They it's it's not about we're going to do what we're going to do. It's we're going to do what you're going to let us do. And so that play in particular was one we we were playing against the Steelers and you run these zone plays and the zone plays aren't you're going to block the man in front of you. You go to a spot and you block the man, the first man that's going to be inside or outside of you, depending on what kind of a run it is. And so that's why you see these linemen running one direction or the other. And some of them are getting up into the second level now. Sometimes you'll have like a lot of times like the center will be responsible if it's going to be a strong side run. His job is to go and get to the second level and block the first person that appears inside of him, you know, or, or coming uh, from the backside of the play. It, that could be a safety. It could be a linebacker. But in a power scheme, you know, that that center, it's you go get that linebacker no matter where the linebacker runs, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So this way they're they're setting this this the def, these defenses up for constant horizontal movement, which meaning they're moving left and right. They're not able to come up and down the field. And so as you do that, you can run weak side, you can run weak side, you can run weak side, and you do these in these zones that teams now they start moving that direction. They're no longer looking at guards, they're no longer reading their keys. They're seeing movement and they're attacking movement. And so on that play, Cleveland then, they see from the week before, we attacked the weak side because we ran a lot of weak side runs against the Steelers. And so we come out and we're going to look make it look like we attacked the weak side and then come back to the strong side. 
And now if you think about that on the strong side, now you're able to bring six blockers onto that side of the ball and wall everybody off and open up a huge lane. And you and, and, he, and Matt Breed is the kind of talent that there, there's a reason why Kyle Shanahan has gone after guys with speed because he knows he can get somebody separation, they're gone. And so he just looks at it. He, he, it sounds weird. He, he, I think he looks at people almost like chess pieces that – if I can get this chess piece in the right position, they're going to be gone because no, because they're so fast. And so you mitigate some of the needs for guys that you know can always juke somebody out, which Breida can do that, right? We've seen that. It's not not putting down his talent at all. But if you can get guys with certain measurables sometimes or vision, then the, you know you, you're not looking for guys that can do everything. You're not looking for. Um, a, uh, like an Ezekiel Elliott. You don't need an Ezekiel Elliott to have a successful running offense as we've seen in Kyle Shanahan's system. You need guys that can do a, that have a smaller skill set but are very good at that skill set. Um, and so you can take role players and make them star players because if you can get them in the right, if you get the right role players in the right positions, he can manipulate defenses to really hit some home runs. I love that. And so what you guys got right there was a sneak audio peek of Johnny Dell's Football Academy. Uh, I love that breakdown. Really, really enjoy that. So we've got, I've got time for one more question here. I've really enjoyed you being on the show. Thank you so much. I want to ask you, this, this is most likely going to air after our Rams game, our game here in Los Angeles against the Rams where I am. Get, but give me your... Post pre-prediction, so people will hear this after that game. But tell us, what do you think happened in that game? I think it's going to be a fight. Um, it's going to be a battle in the run game. Uh, one thing I'll make a bold prediction about: uh, just some things that people might, if if it comes out before and they can look for. If not, they can afterwards they can say, "This to see this guy doesn't know what he's talking about." But <laughs> I do, I do expect. If we come out in base per in base personnel, anything with two tight ends, three tight ends, uh, two running backs, you know, which again with use checkouts, probably going to be a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, you'll see either I think Dwelly or um, or Kittle playing use checks role in the backfield. If we if we do that, watch for them to probably get lined up over on Brunskill's side on the right side, and the reason for that is. When what I, I just I just finished watching the Rams film against the Seahawks in the last or right before I hopped on here, what I noticed was when the Seahawks came out in base personnel, they the Rams would put Aaron Donald on the weak side at the three technique, which means outside shade of the guard. Last year when we played the Rams, I thought the our offensive lineman who performed best against Aaron Donald was Lakin Tomlinson. He handled him pretty well throughout probably about three quarters of the game. Whenever uh, Donald was over person, it was ugly. Person just doesn't have the brute strength to hand up to stand up against Aaron Donald. So I see us putting a tight end a lot on the right side. And if we're going to be running, running to that side, if we put a tight end on the left side, expect counters going to that side. So, because one thing I saw with Donald is he's uh, he he can penetrate in if you're trying to do uh, runs to go around him, traps around him, it gets rough. We may even see may even see the appearance of the old wham block from Har- the Harbaugh days 
the wham block was where we would take Delaney Walker and some of these interior defensive linemen, defensive tackles that would penetrate so so far. We would let them do that and come across the formation with Delaney Walker, and he would block them, push them out of the hole, and we'd run up in the um, up behind him. Uh, Seattle tried to do that, but their offensive linemen are really their guards are really slow. <laughs> um, they was it was it was not as slow as the Rams linemen though. Uh, they were they were very uh, slow of foot. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. I think our defensive line is going to dominate the Rams' offensive line. Their interior guys are are struggling. They uh, and and that's really set apart set the Rams' offense back. They um, uh-huh. they've been struggling with their outside zones because their guards are getting beat to the spot. They're not fast enough. And one thing our our linemen excel at is quickness and speed. So especially the interior guys. But anywho, um, look for tight ends being on the right side over by Brunskull and running to that side away from Aaron Donald. Or if we do, I expect him to get double teamed. But I mean, which I know that's not like a hot take or anything. Everybody tries to double team Aaron Donald. But as far as just one thing to look at formation-wise, when you see that, you can understand that's Kyle Shanahan trying to get get a matchup that he wants. He wants Lakin Tomlinson on um, Aaron Donald. We'll see if I'm right. I I, I kind of have I've, I I mean obviously I believe I will be, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so let me ask you: Do the 49ers stay undefeated after this Sunday? I mean, as a fan, I gotta say yes, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I may have a YouTube channel and, and I, I may be be a, an, call myself an analyst, but I'm a fan first, you know, right? So I'm going to I'm going to believe we're going to be undefeated until we get defeated. And even then, <laughs> I'm going to believe it was, you know, it was still within within possibility. Absolutely. I love it. Awesome. His pay his channel is called Johnny Dells. Now, you got to spell it very specifically. It's J-O-N-N-Y-D-E-L. S Johnny Dell's Football Academy. I have a link in the description, both on our YouTube page and on our uh, on and our in the synopsis for our podcast for our audio podcast. Go check him out. Add him. Watch this these videos. They're absolutely fantastic, and they're getting. I I I think they've evolved a lot, especially this this year, bud. And they are really fantastic. These little snippet ones you're doing play by play, I just gobble them up. And so just keep doing what you're doing, and we really appreciate you coming on to the show. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome, thanks, bud. Well, uh, you definitely got to come back on later on the season. We we've we've got a we've got a we've got definitely some more games to talk about. Definitely. Yep. All right, bud. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you guys for that huge episode. Thank you, Johnny Dell, for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Goldcast. We're in a great run. This is an awesome time to be a 49ers fan. We will see you later in the week. Candlestick Will will be back, and we are going to talk about who you said is the greatest coach in Bay Area history. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sluice III. We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.